right. Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How is everybody on Valentine's Day? Guys, you didn't forget, right? Men, tell me you did not forget this. This could cost you, all right? Well, very good. Well, it is great to see everybody on a beautiful Valentine's Day morning. Uh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Well, we've got a lot of great stuff going on. First of all, we want to welcome you uh, with us if you're watching online for the first time or joining us in person for the first time. It is great to have you, and you picked a great day to be here because God is going to speak to you today. Who believes that? Amen. Did you come to church today expecting to receive from God, or are you just kind of hoping to get, maybe hear something? our service together, speak some words of faith. As a reminder, you know, uh, last year we began speaking our Barstow Faith Confession at the end of every service, and this year we decided we're going to broaden our horizon, and, and why, why not... Oh, we want to bless Barca, but why not bless a bigger area? Why not just bless the whole United States of America? Amen. Who realizes that America could use maybe a wee bit of prayer, a wee bit of faith, a wee bit of Jesus right now? Absolutely. And we are going to do that because uh, there's people that just talk about making a difference, but then there's people that actually do something about it. And we're going to speak some words of faith. So let's say this confession for America together today. And we made a couple of uh, updates on there that should be on the screen with it. But anyway, let's speak this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that justice and judgment from you shall prevail. Her God gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. The darkness of Satan from this nation and Christ to invade every home, church, and school. The United States of America, in Jesus' name, Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah! You can be seated. Amen. We got a few announcements for you because who knows that we got some stuff going on right now. Amen. Isn't it good to be part of a church that I, we got stuff going on? Amen. We're not just sitting around doing nothing. Well, praise God. Uh, I want to remind you that tonight we have church at six o'clock. It's back. Sunday night service is back, and uh, last week was our very first one, and we got off to a great start. We have children's church going on next door tonight at 6, and then, of course, we've got nursery. The adults will be in here hearing the Word of God. Pastor's got a dynamite sermon for you, and so don't miss out tonight at 6. Next, I want to tell you that on Tuesday at 6 o'clock, say Tuesday, 6 o'clock, we have a free Christian concert right across the street at the drive-in movies there with the Christian band, <laughs> Seventh Day Slumber. miss out on that. Now, here's one that everyone is sure to be excited about, because everybody loves this when I say this. This Saturday, from 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock, hold on to your seats, we're having a church work day. 
I know it. I know it. Man, these guys just love to work in God's house. So it's we've done this. But here's the deal. We got some on the inside because the new HVAC units are coming in very, very quickly. So we got for one, we want to get because HVAC for the first time in a year. So we're going to do some cleaning and a few odd jobs, nothing major, but uh, that'll be Saturday from 3 to 6. We're going to get together and just take care of a few odds and ends around here. Again, nothing major, but, uh, you know, if this is your church, then, you know, lend a hand, help out just a little bit, right? They say a church isn't your home until you help out with the chores, right? I knew you'd be enthusiastic. I love that. I hope you're not enthusiastic with the sermon here in about 30 minutes. Amen? All right. Uh, next thing, because I've been getting a lot of questions about this, we are going to be having a membership class on Saturday, March 6th. I don't have the time just yet, but lots and lots of people are asking me, we want to become a member. We want to, And so we just did one in December, but we've got a lot of new people in the last three months, so we got to do this again. So just write it down. We will get a time out there very soon. But Saturday, March 6th, we will be having membership class. And I'm telling you, hey, you, you want to be a part of the family, don't you? If you're a church member, isn't it like one of the coolest things you ever did? Yes. <laughs> Praise God. Yes. You love it, man, because you get to be around all these beautiful, smiling faces all the time. And what could be better than just being related to us, right? You're related now. It's awesome. So, all right. Very good. Well, here we go. This is the big one I've been trying to get to. Who's ready for some awesome news? I love awesome news. And so here we go. Uh, as many of you know, we started, I'm just going to give the whole story because, you know, it doesn't work if I don't give the whole story. So January 10th, I think it was, anyway, the second Sunday of this year, we rolled out our plans to get three new HVAC units for this building because they're 25 years old and out of the six on this sanctuary, only two work, right? And so, in fact, they're both on this side. So some of you guys are fanning yourselves. Some of you over here are like, man, somebody, Tony Barry's wearing a coat for crying out loud. I mean, come on, what the heck? So anyway, I'm just saying, uh, we need some HVAC, right? And so we, we were, you know what, saying in Jesus' name, we're going to be able to get three this year. Well, within two weeks' time, we had enough money, $30,000, for all three units that we were going to get this year. Amen? Right? And so we're saying, we're going to get all six, but we'll take two years to do it. Three now, three later. Well, it turns out, uh, two weeks ago, we're looking at the budget and say, we had a surplus in January, so we have enough to buy a fourth unit, and so we all got excited. Amen? But it doesn't stop there, friends. It gets even better because... This last Tuesday, I'm sitting there in the office, and my wife calls me and says, sit down. Are you sitting down? I said, no. Should I? She said, sit down. So I sit down on the couch. I put a helmet on. No, I didn't really do that, but just imagine that I did. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, what's going to happen? Is there going to be? And she said, somebody just called, and they are single-handedly donating unit number five that the church needs. <laughs> unit number five. I'm like, What? I mean, that wasn't supposed to happen until the middle of 22, but here we are within one month, we have five out of six units. And so, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to be some brilliant person to say, my gosh, surely if God could provide five units in one month, 
certainly heaven has a sixth unit up there somewhere, and we're going to find it. And so we've decided that we're just going for the full send here. We are going to go, and we're going to get six out of six units. Who thinks that Jesus can make that happen right now? Come on. Man, it would be foolish to get that close and then to say, well, we'll hold off. We'll, we'll wait till 2022, make them get a hire a crane again, make them charge us all this extra stuff. It makes a whole lot more sense to just get that sixth unit right now, bring the crane out here one time, pay for the permits and fees and all the other stuff one time. And so what we, where we're at with all this, because I know people are asking, this is exciting, man. This is one of the most exciting things that I've ever seen happen here. And think about this, in one month's time, right, one month's time, God has driven in nearly $60,000 cash to pay for HVAC units on this building. That's incredible. And that's not because we're so good, we're so cool, we're so rich, because none of us are. Yeah, I'm, I'm someday, amen. But, but listen, listen, God has done a miracle right here in front of us. We're like on the five-yard line. We got to push this thing into the end zone. And the reason it's such a big deal is these. this isn't just HVAC units. This represents a building being available to bring lost people into, to bring hurting, depressed, broken marriages, broken children, sick, whatever the case is, into the church of God to be able to preach the gospel to them and Jesus be able to reach them and change their lives. It's so much more than just HVAC. And so we are right here. And um, so what the church needs technically because somebody single-handedly bought one unit, basically we needed 55000 to take care of, or excuse me, 50000 to take care of the five that we're buying. And as of the other day, we were at $44,552. Come on, somebody. That's good news. So that means we need right around, uh, do the math here, $55,000 to $6,000 would totally take care of it. And so uh, I'm just telling you right now, let's get the rest of this in. I'm not going to ask anybody to do anything right now publicly, but I'm saying this much, all right? A lot of you have reached out. What can I do? What, or, or, you know, here's what I want to give. We need to get this done. We, In fact, we've got so much faith on this. We told the guys, go ahead and order the six. Just go ahead. We're going to have it. All right, so they've ordered the sixth unit. It's a coming, and it's going to get up there. So pray, see what God's going to have you do, but we're going to just dr drive this right into the end zone and reach the finish line and get this thing done. And we are going to point to Jesus and say, Jesus, you did this. You are so good. Your mercy endures forever. Can we give the Lord a shout of praise together today? God is good. He is good all the time, and he always comes through for us. And so, again, I'm praying about, you know, what, what Katie and I can do on our part, but I'm asking you to do the same thing. And so within the next week, let's get that last little bit of amount of money and get this thing done, and we are going to be taken care of for a long, long time. Amen? All right. Well, praise the Lord. With all that being said, who knows what time it is now? It's happy time. I'm going to have pastor come on up and take up the Sunday morning tithes and offerings. And I'm reminding you that if you're going to give to the HVAC online, you can do it at hdwc.org uh, slash giving, and you would select the building and maintenance tab on that. Or if you're just doing it from here, you can do it that way, all right? But anyway, let's hear it for happy time. Come on, somebody. <laughs>
Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome what Jesus and we are doing together? We're a team doing this together. And I'll tell you what, Jesus is serious about this. He gave his life for it, raised from the dead, paid the price for it. And it would be a shame, it would be a shame for anybody in our realm of influence not to know how to get to heaven. And then not to know they can enjoy heaven on earth while they're here on earth. Amen? Jesus said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wants people down here to enjoy the blessings of heaven. In heaven, there's no sickness. Amen. There's no depression. There's no poverty. There's no strife. At our realm of influence, when we walk in light of the word of God, there may be a lot of things going on around us, but Psalms 91 said, a thousand may fall to our left. 10,000 are right, but a lot come nigh us. So we can enjoy the benefits of heaven, but we find that in the Word of God as we teach and preach that Word. How many lives have been changed by the Word of God you've heard right here? Amen. Well, just think about it. If we keep on doing what God told us to do, your friends, your families, your enemies want to come to a place like this to hear the gospel. It'll be cool for them in the summertime. Warm in the wintertime. We'll have a good, a good climate around here both spiritually and naturally, but we're all part of it. But I want to show you a couple of things from the uh, bookstore before I actually get to the offering part. How many know who our pastor is, Dr. Dr. Mark T. Barclay? Well, I talked to Doc this week. He's coming out to California in April for the Holy Spirit Conference, and uh, some of us will be going down to San Diego for a few days to at the conference. And so what, what's that date of the conference, Mom? 13th and 15th of April, if you want to come down for all of it or part of it, then start checking out the hotels down there and see what's going on, but that'll be good. But in the bookstore, we have a lot of his books, and, uh, you know, I, I know that Pastor Dave's going to be teaching about the integrity of the Word, the truth of the Word today, and tonight I'm going to be talking about how to live a good Christian life, but Dr. Barclay, we're ordained at his uh, minister's network, it's called Righteous Preacher's Network, because he believes in holy living, right living, clean living, and... Uh, some of the books at the bookstore is this one, The Sin of Lawlessness, A Lethal Practice. Lawlessness. That's people that just want to live how they want to live. They say maybe say a prayer of salvation just to say the prayer because somebody told them they need to say the prayer, but then they keep on living like the devil. And Dr. Barclay's got to say it. He says all the time, he says, he says you, should, you shouldn't live like a pig, a, a pig and, and ba like a sheep. Amen. If you're going to be a sheep, live like a sheep. Quit living like a pig. But he, he's, he's so uh, bold in the way he says things to help you understand how to live right. But that's a really good book there. And then this one here called Improving Performance. Improving Performance. And so we as Christians have to know from the Word of God not only how to live, but how to tap into the grace of God the love of God, the faith of God, to actually put into practice how we're supposed to live. And the, the good news about all that is, number one, the closer we walk to God, the more the Holy Spirit works in our life. But then the more the Holy Spirit works in our life, the more the people around us get influenced by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I know that uh, when I first got saved years ago, somebody told me, well, I'd never have to go to church, and I'd be just as good as Christian as you. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible teaches a whole lot different than that. That you come to church, then you're able to do what we're going to do in a minute, bring our tithes to the storehouse. You're able to get under the anointing of God. You're able to serve to help other people have a nice place to go to church. So many benefits 
out of going to church that there are. And so we, if we're going to be better Christians, need to study faith books along with the Word of God and then see examples around us of how to live the Christian life because of the world we live in. There's a whole lot of people on social media, on the Internet, and places like that that talk about what a great Christian they are, but they have no fruit. My brother, these things ought not so to be. And so we want to help you all we can to live a good Christian life. Look at Malachi chapter 3. Amen. Talk about tithes and offerings. And Malachi chapter 3, uh, we got, I, I got an expression off Dr. Barclay years ago describing, describing these verses, verses 8 through 12. Dr. Barclay calls them tithers' rights. And so in other words, there's benefits and things that belong to us by being tithers. I think about the uh, Bill of Rights for America. When I was a Teamsters truck driver for years, we had our contract. Well, the Bible, in a lot of ways, is a contract God made with man. It's called a covenant. And so the way a covenant works in Teamsters, uh, we had to do our part. The company had to do their part. And then we got the benefits of the contract. Well, God's got his part. We got our part. Then we get the benefits. But in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, says, Will a man rob God? You have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. In tithes and offerings. And the Spirit of God, through the prophet Malachi, was talking to Israel, who lived like a lot of Christians live, with one foot in and one foot out, and they just did whatever seemed right to them. But you notice, how many know that God is not schizophrenic? He knows what he's talking about, doesn't put words in the Bible by mistake. God said, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. And so there's a difference between tithes and offerings. And so the tithe, the tithe takes care of the priest, takes care of the temple, but the offerings do extra things that need to be get done. Like, for example, the units on this building. The tithes come into the church, pay salaries, pay light bills, pay all the maintenance and everything goes on in the church, but then offerings come in to do repairs and replace things like units. And so God said, tithes and offerings. And so I know that I've talked to a lot of Christians over the years as a pastor trying to help them, and they say things like, well, I do tithe. Well, then when you see, we keep records for your income tax purposes for the books, and some people put in maybe $20 a year and make $2,000 a week. And so we say, you know what, if you went to a restaurant, you didn't leave a good tip. Hey, bad. And so a tithe is a tithe, and if you put an offering in, it's an offering. And so some people give offerings, but they never tithe. And so we're going to see the benefits called tithers' rights. And so he says in verse 9, You're cursed with the cursed, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. God is not the curser. The curse came in in the fall in the Garden of Eden. There's a curse on the earth. And one way we get out of the curse, number one, we receive Jesus. When we received Jesus, he redeemed us from the curse of the law. And then to walk in the benefits of the covenant, we pay tithes and give offerings. And the first time I really heard this talk where I really understood it, I mean, I always knew about tithing as a Christian, but I went to a mistress conference at ORU, Oral Roberts University, back in 1985, and Oral Roberts was teaching on this verse. And the way Oral Roberts said it made more sense to me than any way I've ever heard it. He said, when you look at the Bible, you've got to look who's talking and who they're talking to. 
and what they're talking about. Well, at this point in time, Malachi was talking to farmers, people that grew things, had orchards, had crops. And so he said, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat or spiritual food in my house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. And then here's where the farmer talk comes in. And if you see this, I'll show you what that means in modern times. He said, prove me if I want to open you the windows of heaven and pour you out. And then he talks about blessing and things. Well, at this point in time, when they talk about opening the windows of heaven, he was thinking about the days of Noah. How many know that when you read in the book of Genesis, the windows of heaven never opened yet poured out water? Well, then the windows opened and they poured out water or rain, but that was part of judgment. But anyway, these farmers understood we need the windows of heaven open to get water on our crops. Our crops won't grow without the blessing of rain. And so God said, I promise you, you won't have drought on your crops if you bring your tithes into the storehouse. He said, that will open the windows of heaven. That's called tithers' rights. It's called benefits. And pour you out a blessing. Well, that blessing he's talking about for our tithes would be this, pour you out the blessing of the anointing of the Holy Spirit on your life. As we look at these verses here, and I talked for just a minute or two longer, you're going to understand how that equates to us from what he told those farmers. He said, I will pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And so we need the blessing of God on our homes, the anointing. We need the blessing of God on our jobs, the anointing. We need the blessing of God on our marriage, on raising our children. In the things we do in life, we need that anointing. Pour you out a blessing. And that's why if you don't understand this thing, well, I just, I just want a little blessing. No, he's talking about a lifestyle of blessing. He said, I'll pour out the anointing on your life as you become a consistent tither, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And what Earl Roberts said that meant makes so much sense to me for the life we live in. said he was talking to farmers and said that Hebrew talk, he said what he said was, I'll say, stop, seed thief, no more. Talking to the devil, not going to steal your seed. Amen. Not only do you need rain, but you need seed in the ground. Well, how do you, how, how many here know from uh, verses like 2 Corinthians chapter 9, God says, I'll give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Talk about financial things. Well, you cannot give an offering if you don't have extra money to sow. And that's called seed. And so God said, I will say, thief, stop. You're not going to cause that car engine to blow up. If you spend all your money on car, car repairs, you'll never give into a unit. Amen. If all your extra money goes to paying medical bills, you'll never have money left for a unit. If all your money goes to fighting lawsuits because people are falsely accusing you and taking you to court and trying to judge you all the time, there's no money left to sow. And so God said to us as Christians, if you're tithers, all that money that's been stolen from you, God will say, stop, thief, no more. I want the Jacksons to have seed. I want Dylan to have seed. I want Donna to have seed. Amen. Does that make sense to you? And so he says, I rebuke the devourer, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. 
Neither shall your vine cast her fruit for the time in the field, saith the Lord of battles. Lord of hosts means Lord of battles. In other words, God said, I'll be the one working behind the scenes to take care of your finances, to make sure things work right. All your part is you live a good Christian life, bring tithes in, and you have the opportunity to give offerings. And God said, I'll fight your battles. And then all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. And what that means is this. The people around you will look at your life and they'll say, how does Donna Dilbeck do that? How does Donna do that? And then that gives Donna a reason to say, I serve Jesus. I have tithers' rights. I pay my tithes to God. I give offerings when I get the chance. And then I'm blessed. Amen? That's what God wants out of it. God wants people to look at Christians and see a difference between Christians and the world when things are going on around us, to look at us and say, why, why, why? How come you guys are living like you're living and it's such a mess out there? You say, it's because of Jesus. Amen. I hope that helps somebody because we always need to know and remember there's a purpose in everything we do. At times, helps take care of God's church. That's because it's God's, it's God's covenant. And we walk in the covenant, the covenant works in us. Amen. Well, let's make our financial faith compassion, and then we'll bring our tithes and offerings up to the altar, and then we'll worship God together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs, our better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, Finding money, bills paid off, death paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for all my financial needs, so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, give judgment in the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. have the words on the screen there so let's all sing together the best we can and if you can let's stand up move around a little bit get the blood flowing Presence feet on the earth, our 
full of heaven's zeal for you completely consumes me. I can't get it, can't get enough of you. Your fire burning right through me. I can't get it, can't get enough of you. Spirit, more than a feeling. I don't need a reason to keep chasing who you are. Like it's the air I'm breathing. I want your presence, feet on the earth, a heart full of heaven's seal. For you, completely consumes me. I can't get enough. One more time, let's sing, I'm after your spirit. I'm after your spirit, more than a feeling. I don't need a reason to keep chasing who you are. Like it's the air I'm breathing, I want your presence. Feet on the earth, a heart full of heaven's seal for you. Completely consumes me. I can't get enough, can't get enough of you. Your fire burning right through me. I can't get enough, can't get enough of you. You can't get enough of you. You can't get enough of you. Let's sing this. Every beat is yours. You can have it all. Take over like only you can. All I'm reaching for, you and nothing more. Take over like only you can. Every beat is yours. You can have it all. Take over like only you can. All I'm reaching for, you and nothing more. Take over like only you can. Still for you completely consumes me. I can't get enough, can't get enough of you. Your fire burning right through me. I can't get enough, can't get enough of you. You can't get enough of you. You can't get enough. 
One more time. Let's sing every beat, every beat. Every beat is yours. You can have it all. Take over like only you can. All I'm reaching for, you and nothing more. Take over like only you can. Every beat is yours. You can have it all. Take over like only you can. All I'm reaching for, you and nothing more. Take over like only you can. focus for a minute on God. And it, it just goes like this. And my heart
Tear me away from your love, Lord. 
Amen. How, how many know we're a Holy Ghost church? Amen. How many come here wanting to hear from God personally today? Something the Lord speaks to your heart. You can sit down if you want to. But as, as we were worshiping, I was asking the Lord, is there anything in particular you wanted to say to anybody here today? And he gave me this for some of you. I don't know if anybody here has been going through a hard time. Maybe somebody's been going through crisis and hard times. I don't know. I've been, we've been doing really good. But uh, as I was asking the Lord if you had anything to say, I've got a verse for you in just a minute. But if, especially if you've been going through crisis where it looked like, looks like the devil's been trying to turn you every which way but loose, just hit after hit. We had, we had a really bad windstorm. We live in Newberry Springs. We've got a small farm there, got an orchard, lake, and lots of trees. And man, I'll tell you what, yesterday the wind, the wind gusts were up to 50 miles an hour out there. It was really, really, really serious. And anyway, I went out. I went out to take care of some business. What was going on? We got animals to feed, things to happen. Well, I went out there. I saw a dead tree that I'd, I've known for a while. I need to do something with. The dead tree was blew, blown over. I thought, well, that's no damage. It was dead anyway. I was going to take it down. Then I looked over to the other side. I saw another dead tree. And I thought, well, no damage. I was going to take it down anyway. It saved me from taking it down. And I just cut it up and. Then I had another huge tree, <clears throat> some big branches blew off of it. I mean, really great. I got some giant tree branches off. I thought, well, good. I didn't want to climb up there anyway. I'm glad they're off. And so this morning we got up and I surveyed things going on. And we, through all those bad storms yesterday, through all the wind, no damage to anything except things need to take care of anyway. And so praise God. And so in your life, in your life for things going on through all these winds of adversity blowing if you're following Jesus serving Jesus as you survey where you are right now you're going to see no damage but things need to take it away anyway amen but I want you to look at Psalms 30 and this this is a verse for you if you still don't quite see yet good things going on in your life this verse is for you Psalms 30 verse 5 I'll give you a chance to get there and get it on the screen so you can see this. But if you've really been looking like life's hopeless and what's the use and you hear good good news in here, stories in here, testimonies, think, wow, I wish my life was like like the pastors think things are good. I wish my life was that way. Well, we've been through a lot of things, a lot of seasons where it wasn't that way, but we kept serving God kept following Jesus. And so verse 5 says, For his anger endureth but a moment. But look at this. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. I want you to get a hold of that. You may be crying on the inside, might be crying on the outside right now, but the Word of God says, Weeping may endure for a night, <clears throat> but joy cometh in the morning. 
So say this to me. Say, say, crying time. Crying time. Is about over. It's about over. Joy's coming. Joy's coming. In the morning. In the morning. This is a new day. This is a new season. It's joy season. Joy season. So you might as well laugh right now. Just laugh at the devil. Laugh at life. Ha, 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 ha. You might as well start laughing. You laugh by faith sometimes. Now, I see some sad faces out there right now. The Bible teaches faith pleases God. If you don't think you can laugh right now, then laugh by faith in the name of Jesus. Ha, 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 ha. Amen. Don't you feel better already? Amen. Pastor Dave. Amen. Hallelujah. Joy comes in the morning. Well, it's almost morning time. Who's ready for morning? Yes. Amen. Well, you're like, well, I'm not a morning person. Well, become one. All right. Force yourself to be one. Amen. Hallelujah. What a good word for us. Well, praise God. I'm excited. Today is a fantastic day to be in the house of the Lord because God's going to speak to you today. And, I'm, and I, I alluded to this earlier, but when you come to church, when you, when you make the time to get up early and come on out, even on a weekend, come expecting to hear from God. It never ceases to amaze me. I've been in church for 35 years. Well, how do you know that? Well, I'm 35 years old, and I've been there ever since I was born. So listen, one thing that I've consistently seen all these years is this. It, is, it amazes me how in the exact same church service, two different people sitting in the exact same person same building. One person over here could leave saying, man, that was on fire today. God read my mail. The Lord spoke to me. That was, that was just an incredible. God was all over that. I heard from God. Oh my gosh, that was incredible. Then somebody's sitting right in one of these sections. Man, I don't think God was there today. I just didn't hear nothing, man. I'll tell you what right now, man, dad, go, man, tell you what. And, and like, what's going on? How could it be? Who's right? Who's wrong? Well, listen, you can come to church, you can go to listen to your favorite TV preacher, whatever the case is, but in the end, what you hear from God, what you receive, doesn't solely rest on everybody up here. You've got to be having ears to hear also. The Word of God's going to be preached, and some people are going to leave here dancing, shouting. Their lives are going to be changed, and some people leave, man, I don't just, I didn't, I didn't get nothing today. Well, you know, hopefully it's not my fault in the end. I'm going to do the best I can. But listen, you've got to be a receiver. You've got to be ready to hear the Word of God, listen up, and change if you need to change. Amen? And so we're going to dish the Word out today hot and heavy like we always do, and it all depends on... What you get out of it, it's going to depend on if you are going to have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying today. Is there anybody in here, you've got ears to hear? Let's, I'm not talking about these flaps on the side of your head. I'm talking about spiritual ears. Amen. And so we're going to get into the Word of God today. And I pray in Jesus' name that any hindrances, any distractions you brought in with you, they are falling to the wayside so you can hear the Word of God. Because I didn't come today because I had nothing else to do, man. I could have been in bed right now. Come on, somebody. I came to hear the Word of God and, uh, and have Jesus read my mail and wake me up and, and, and get a hold of my life and change me. Amen. So we're going to go ahead and pray. Then we're going to get into the message today. The title is Truth and Freedom. Two of my favorite things because I love the truth and boy do I love to be free because I have been places where there is no freedom and I didn't like it very much. I love truth and I love freedom. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we come to you right now as we open up our Bibles, as we, uh, as we get into the Word of God together today. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that as we look at your Word, as we submit ourselves to you right now, that you will speak to every single person here. Lord, tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear, Lord. And if there's anything that we need to change, help us change, God, because we don't want to stay the same. We want to be more like you, and we want to be able to do everything everything that you've called us to do so we can be everything that you've called us to be. We thank you for it. May your word have free course today in Jesus' name. Somebody said amen. Truth and freedom. Let's put up our Bibles this morning to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And uh, we're going to look at a very familiar verse. In fact, we used it last week, but we're going to dig a little bit deeper today. John chapter 8, and we are going to see verse 32. I'll primarily be in the New King James today. John chapter 8 and verse 32. And uh, quite a story here if you look at the entire thing. John chapter 8 and verse 32. And, and here's, a I would say, one of the most misquoted verses in Scripture. I'm going to go ahead and say that this is one of the most misquoted verses in Scripture. John chapter 8, verse 32. Jesus said, and you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free. Now, most people, when they quote this verse, even people that aren't uh, Christians, even people that may not even realize that Jesus Christ is the one that originally said this, people go around all the time saying, well, the truth will set you free. That's only halfway true. You've got to know the truth, and then the truth will set you free. You know what? I mean, I allude to this a lot, but just owning a weight set isn't what gets you in shape. You got to get to know that thing. You got to you got to put a little bit of effort into that. And so, just simply having a Bible in the room, simply having a Bible in your house, the truth is there, but it's the truth you know that will set you free. And so, you're going to have to dive into this a little bit and get to know Jesus a little bit better. But I guarantee you, when you know the truth, no doubt about it. The truth will set you free. And so that brings this question that I'm asking today. How does the truth set you free? How does it set you free? Well, I'm going to look at a few things today, a few different angles, a few different ways that the truth sets you free. And I, I did a little research. I studied some things this week on this topic. And I found, and to no surprise, that there is definitely a significant portion of the population, a significant portion of people that flat out, they don't want to be free. They don't care if they're living a truth or living a lie. They just want to be what makes them comfortable. They just want to do things their way, whether they're free or not free. They don't care about being free. But one of the saddest things that I have ever seen in this world is somebody that is bound and held captive by something that is not godly, when you are a slave to something, that is not the will of God. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Let's dig in a little bit deeper here. So how does the truth set you free? Number one, it's this. It shows you right from wrong. Thank you for your holy silence. I am just so glad that, am I at the Pentecostal church or where did I go today? Come on, listen. Where's Walter? Walter's usually got my back. Thank you. I'm going to need you today. I can tell right now. All right. Thank you. So how does the truth set you free? It shows you right from wrong. So what I want to do is I want to read the whole story of this quote that we just got from Jesus. 
And as I read a little bit more of the context that we're looking at here, there's some incredible parallels in how people responded to the truth in Jesus' day and how they still respond to the truth in our day. So let me just say this right now. Speaking the truth does not always make you popular. Anybody notice that? Speaking the truth does not make you popular. Now, I'll say this. There's a right way and a wrong way to speak the truth. Because Paul said, we got to speak the truth, but we got to do it in love. And I know some people that they want to speak the truth, but they think it's their job to do it as brash and rude and mean as possible. And I don't, I'm, you know, whatever. Listen, I want to speak the truth, but I want to do it in love. And I want to speak the truth because I want to see people changed for the glory of Jesus, not because I just want everybody to agree with me. I want people to agree with Jesus. And so John 8, pick it up, verse 32, Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? And so instantly, Jesus brings up truth, Jesus brings up freedom, and these guys instantly get mad. Whoa, hold on. Who do you think you are? We are Abraham's descendants. We have never been in bondage to anybody. What are you talking about right now? And and so instantly, just instantly, as soon as he brings up truth and freedom, instantly people get angry and people start lashing back out at Jesus. And the funny thing is this, is if you know very much Bible at all, you know very well that the descendants of Abraham had definitely been in bondage before because they spent 400 years in slavery in Egypt. Are you familiar with that? And the more ironic part is this, is at that very moment, they were in bondage to the Romans. And so here they are. Well, who do you, we've never been in bondage to anybody. And that's a flat out lie. They had been, and they were at that exact same moment. And so they're flying off the handle at Jesus right there. But, but, but look at this. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Whom the son sets free is free indeed. And I'm telling you right now. There's a lot of people that they may think they're free, like, whoo, we finally got some money. We're free now. Man, you're not free until the sun sets you free. Well, we're free now. Our guy won the presidency. Our guy got elected to Congress. You think that that's what brings you freedom? You aren't free until the sun sets you free. And if he makes you free, then you're free indeed. And so these guys... They get angry, and in fact, if it's a long story, but if you'll read all of John chapter 8, these people get so mad at Jesus, they start calling him, you're a Samaritan devil, you're this. They start flinging names, and by the end of the chapter, they pick up stones to kill Jesus. They're going to murder the man simply for presenting the truth to them, saying, listen, you guys, you need freedom, and it's only found one way. That was enough to make them so angry they were going to murder Jesus. And it says that he escaped through the crowd and got away before they killed him. Wow. That sounds like an incredible far-fetched story. And then I live in 2021, though, so it's not that far-fetched to me because I see junk like this all the time. 
You tell somebody, well, I know you're doing it, but, but God's way is better, and, and God has a plan for your life. Well, who do you think you are? I, I'm a son of God. I don't know who you think you are, but God's my father, and I'm just trying to present the truth. But truth won't make you popular, but it will set you free because it shows you right from wrong. Jesus came to free us from Satan's power, to free us from being slaves to sin. Now, Jesus said right here, whoever commits sin. Now, that connotates, that, 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 that gives the impression here that he's not talking about you sinned one time and, I, uh, you know what, I said something I shouldn't have. God, I'm sorry. It's one thing to commit a sin, right? And you're sorry. You talk to God and get it. But we're talking about commit sin. Like, you have no intention of changing this thing. Like, this is what I do, and I have no intention of changing You are a slave to sin, according to what Jesus said. And that is a horrific thing to think about, that you could be right here in the freest nation in the history of the world, yet be held captive by Satan. And there's no need for you to be held captive by Satan because Jesus came to set us free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That does not need to be that way. And so as puzzling, it it boggles my mind because I've been to communist countries. I know some of you have been, but I've straight up spent time in Russia and Nicaragua and different that are communist nations. And there is nothing worse in this world to see people that are not free people. They're afraid. They're paranoid. They're always looking over their shoulder at who's who's there looking out. It's a sad, sick thing. I've seen it, and it's awful, but it doesn't have to be that way. So as I've seen that, it puzzles me how there are some people that they just, they don't really care to be free. And in my research this week, I pulled up story after story of people that had been prisoners that either they were up for parole or whatever, and, and they didn't want it. Well, you know what? You know, I'm, I'm fine here. I don't, I don't want to. And I even saw one extreme story. This guy, he wasn't even a gang member. He had no money, nothing going on that he was no reason to be attached to the bondage of being locked up. But he didn't, he just didn't want to face the world. He gets released in Missouri and he goes out the next week and he, and, and intentionally gets caught robbing a gas station. He's like, I, I, I can't get back in there. There's only one way to get in. It's to go get arrested. So he goes and tries to rob the clerk, and he's like, call the police. I'll be waiting for them in the parking lot. So sure enough, he, he fakes a robbery, and she's like, get out of here. And so she calls the cops, and he's out there waiting in the parking lot, goes back to prison because that was his comfort zone. He didn't know how to handle freedom. But listen to me. There are some people in this world, Satan has had you bound for so long. You have been his slave. We have been his slave. We, he has been our master. And there are some things, some lies, he has wrapped around us so tight, we don't even know how to function without that bondage in our life. I know, man, it shouldn't be this way, but I don't even know what I would do if it was some other way. That is sad, and it doesn't have to be that way. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. I know, but this alcohol, it's been in my life. It's just been the one thing that I can count on. That's a lie from hell. You can't count on that. That is not the will of God for your life. He's got better. The truth shall set you 
free. And I've got so many incredible stories sitting in this building and in this room right at this very second of people that were held captive by Satan, but they got a hold of the truth. They knew the truth. The truth set them free, and they would never for a million billion dollars go back to being a slave to the devil. Never would they go back. And so there's an old quote, but it's the, it, it, it is the absolute truth. My worst day as a Christian is better than my best day as a sinner. My worst day in freedom is better than my best day in slavery to the devil. You know, well, I had more money back then. I had this back then. And you were one inch from hell, man. One inch. One car wreck. One drive-by. Whatever. One accident away. And it would have been over for you forever and ever and ever. Don't you ever think that it was better back then. You were one step from the edge of the cliff. And it would have been over forever. That is bondage. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Do I have any free people in this house today? Come on. If Jesus sets you free, you I mean, you don't keep that to yourself. You've got to make a little noise, all right? And so why... Is it so important to have freedom? And and how does the truth set us free? Well, number one, it shows us right from wrong. But number two, here's here's the meat of this message. It shows you what belongs to you. It shows you what belongs to you because there is a lot of Christians, a lot of God's children, sadly, that don't fully know all that belongs to them through the word of God and through what Jesus did when he died on the cross. And so a lot of people think, well, you know, yes, I know. I've got Jesus, so now I don't have to go to hell. I can go to heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the biggest and best thing right there. But it doesn't stop there. There's so much more in this salvation package that Jesus wants you to have for your life. Some people are like, well, I'm going to heaven, but it's hell on earth till I get there. It doesn't have to be that way. In fact, when Jesus prayed, he said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There are not depressed people in heaven. I'm going to go a step further. There's not sick people in heaven. There's, there, there, there's not people bound in bondage to Satan in heaven. And if God wants his will done on earth as it is in heaven, you don't have to be depressed, sad, rejected, feel like you're less than, feel like you've always got to be poor, feel like you're going to be a loser and barely stumble into heaven. I, I made it, but I barely made it. It doesn't have to be that way. You can run in there dancing and rejoicing like you belong there because you do, not because you're so good, but because Jesus is so good. I'm not going there because I've been good. I'm going there because Jesus has been good. But you need to know that Jesus is so much more than your get out of hell free card. He is the full deluxe package. There's a story that maybe you've heard that we've shared, I know before. But about 100 years ago, there was a man that bought a, bought a boat ticket from Europe to the United States. And so he didn't have much money, so he packed some, packed what supplies and food he could. And, you know, he, he boards the ship, meets a few people, goes into his cabin, and stays there for the remainder of the trip. Well, they get here to the U.S., and he gets off the ship. You know, he, he, they land, he's getting off, and, and people are like, hey, 
where have you been? We forgot all about you, man. Where have you been? Why haven't you been eating with us? We've had dinner. We've had meals three times a day. Where have you been this whole time? He's like, well, it's embarrassing, but to be honest, I only had enough money to buy a ticket to get on the boat. I didn't have enough money for the meals or any of the extras. So, you know, I was okay. I had my own stuff. And people are like, wait a minute. Hold on. You, you bought a ticket, right? Yeah, I got the ticket. It's right here. Don't you know? That the price for the meals and everything else, it was all inclusive. If you had a ticket, everything was paid for. You've been settling for cheese and crackers and we've been having steak and everything else. You settled for that, but the price was paid for everything that you needed. And some Christians live their life that way. Oh, Lord, I don't ask for much. Just take care of me and my four and no more. And I'll just stay over here. I'll mind my business. I'll eat this and, 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 don't, and don't listen. The price has been paid for you to have a good life on earth before you get to heaven. But too many people have been lied to, and they think that it's God's will for you to be miserable, dejected, sad, depressed, have nothing, do nothing. Your kid's going to have the worst clothes in school. Your kid's got to, they can't go do the fun things that other people can do. Your kids, I mean, I'm not going to live that way, folks. I am going to serve Jesus, number one. But when I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things are going to be added unto me. I'm not going to, my kids are not going to have to suffer and have a miserable growing up experience because, well, their dad's a preacher, their dad's a, their dad's a Christian, their mom and dad. So listen, there's a lie that's been fed to people that says humble is a synonym of poverty. That is a lie. Because I know some poor people that are full of pride. They're mean, they're rude, and they act, and I mean, I'm just, and then I know some super rich people that they're not like that at all. They're very humble, they give the glory to God, and they don't talk about that. So don't buy the lie that, well, we're humble, we don't got nothing. I mean, our kids, they, 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 can, they can't go play in the basketball league with the other kids. They, 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 they got to do this, and, and, and we can't eat that, guys, and we can't do it. We'll, we'll just get that out of your mind now. That doesn't mean you're humble. That just means that you aren't aware that Jesus bought you an all-inclusive package. The truth will set you free. You don't have to, Now, I'm not up here saying that everyone's going to be a millionaire. I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is, that you should be able to live a decent, comfortable, nice life because you're a child of God. Amen? And so don't buy into the lies, all right? So look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Can we flip over there? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Who's glad they came to church? Good choice, good choice. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 20. So flip over there. 1 Corinthians 1. In verse 20, but you need to start realizing what belongs to you as a child of God. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, and it says this, For all the promises of God in him, talking about Jesus, are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. All the promises are yes. All the promises are amen. Why? Because you're so good. No, to the glory of God through him. If there are promises in God's word, listen, well, I wonder if I can have that. I wonder if, if, if that could be something that I get. Yes and amen. It is for you. The promises of God are yes 
and they are amen. Can somebody say amen today? God wants you to have what he provided for. How silly would it be? How silly, how silly would it be if you bought something for your kids and you gave it to them and they said, well, do you really want us to have that? Do you, do you really want us to, are, are you sure you want us to have that, Dad? Are you sure that that's something that you, like, yes, I bought it for you. Of course I want you to have it. So the verse I just gave you is 2 Corinthians 1.20, my bad. 2 Corinthians 1.20. I see the looks of confusion on faces all across. The, 2 Corinthians 1.20. But if you buy something for your kids, should they have to doubt, do you really? I mean, is it your will for me to have this, Dad? Yes. And amen, I want you to have it. I paid for it. The price has already been paid. And so the Message Bible, it puts it this way. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. There's a lot of promises with a lot of conditions. My dad kind of referred to this earlier in the in the service that there's a lot of promises of God, but there's you got you got to do some things on your end too, right? I mean, some people want to claim tithers' rights. Lord, you said you'd rebuke the devourer for my sake. Yes, He did. If you bring the tithe into the storehouse, well, Lord, you said that I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but I can't do nothing. It's through Christ who strengthens you. You've got to rely on Him and quit relying on yourself. But the promises of God. They are yes, and they are amen. And it says all the promises, and what does all mean? All means a lot. Well, so some people are like, well, I, I hear about these promises. I don't, I don't know where they're at. If they've ever come to me, I wouldn't know it. Where are they? Are they hidden from me? And I like it how I put it, put it this way. The promises of God are not hidden from you. They're hidden for you. But you're going to have to open up and find out where they are. They're not hidden from you. They're hidden for you. You have got to open up the word of God and find out where they are and find some to start standing on. You know, a few days ago, I heard Katie rustling around in the kitchen there trying to get something. And, 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 and she's like, hey, remember those Hawaiian sweet rolls we bought? Yeah, I remember those. You said you were going to put them someplace for me. Yeah, I did. Well, did you hide them from me? I'm like, no, honey, I hid them for you so the kids wouldn't get them. I didn't hide them from you. I hid them for you. I just can't remember where I hid them for you at. And so, you know, good luck. But when you find them, and, you know, I, I eventually I remembered. But, but some people are like that. Hey, God hid it from me. No, he didn't hide it from you. He hid them for you. You just got to look around a little bit. It's in there, and you've got to see what God has hidden for you. Now, I, I read an interview with the comedian Kevin Hart. I am not endorsing, and I am not against him. I don't know any of his movies. I know he's famous, but this is an interesting story. So don't go out there, well, Pastor Dave, he makes I don't know if he does. It doesn't matter to me. This is just an interesting story. Okay, so here's the story. So he said he wanted to get up into stand-up comedy. His mom said she would support him for one year. If it didn't work, he had to go back to school and get a real job. So... About six months in to his venture, he finally ran out of money. He couldn't pay his rent, so he called his mom and said, Mom, I'm out of money. Help. She said, well, have you read your Bible? Mom, I don't have time for that right now. I need help right now. Have you read your Bible? I'm not talking about that. I need cash instantly. 
And so he kept calling every few days, and she kept saying, son, I'm not, until you read your, so finally a few weeks in, he's like, okay. He opens up his Bible and says, I'm going to, the, you know what, she's right. I need to get into the Bible. He opens up his Bible, and six rent checks fall out that she, had all, she knew he was going to hit hard times. She hid the provision inside of his Bible, knowing that he'd eventually have to turn there, and the provision would be hidden for him. And so, of course, he got, he got the money and made it big, and now he's super rich or whatever. But that may sound like a silly story, but I'm telling you what, right now, every promise Everything that I've ever need, it's been in here the entire time. I know how to find healing when Satan comes and tries to make me sick. I don't want to say that right now, man. I'll tell you what, man. Listen, I've been healed of leukemia. My dad's been healed of stage four cancer. We've made it through some things, heart attacks and everything else. We made it through some things. You know what? There's that old, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. I've seen the word of God heal people's bodies time and time and time again people that'll do things god's way people that are submitted to god now listen i've seen people that have had a terrible financial need but the word of god brings it through every single time i've seen the word of god show us how to get answers time and time again just a couple of weeks ago uh, katie has this necklace it's got a heart on it and, you know, it's special to us because when I was 18, I, pr- I was getting ready to propose to her, but I proposed right after Valentine's Day. So for Valentine's Day, I went to the mall with, you know, I didn't have much money, but, but I, I went to this jewelry shop and I bought her this necklace with a heart on it. And, and to me, it was a big deal at the time. Well, we've had it all these years. Then sometime around Christmas, it was lost. And so we're praying, you know, God, you know, help us find it, help us find it. Then finally, man, we got real serious. You know what? We're done playing patty cake here. We're ready to get this thing back because it's special to us. And so we pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, whatever you got to do, if you've got to send the angels out to bring it in, we claim that necklace back in the name of Jesus, and we don't mean maybe. Well, just a couple days later, she's, she's going, and, and, and she's going to change the sheets, which we had done several times since Christmas, okay? We're not gross people. I know what this is going to look like, okay? They've been changed and washed several times since Christmas, all right? Thank you. But she's going to get them out. She pulls back the covers, and laying right there in the middle of the bed is that necklace. And I'm telling you, it wasn't laying there for two months. It got put there somehow, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't one of the kids. But <laughs> listen, listen to me. We know how to get answers, and it's not because we're smart because I'm not that smart. I mean, I'm a C-plus type of guy. Listen, it's because I know how to go to the Word of God and get answers in the time of need. And Jesus comes through time and time and time and time again. If it's something as small as finding a necklace or something as big as being stricken with cancer, Jesus comes through time and time and time again. Whether it's a church in the middle of the desert that needs six brand new HVAC units, Jesus comes through time and time and time again. Woo! And we don't have to go get a loan from the bank. Jesus has the cash for it. Jesus will give it to you. The world will loan it to you. I'm looking for a gift from Jesus. Can somebody say amen today? God is good. Man. Sorry, I'm getting excited now, man. I don't care what you guys do. I'm getting excited. But you've got to know what belongs to you. And the truth will set you free because it tells you and shows you what belongs to you. 
Sometimes I think of it this way. You know, sometimes you're going to leave some of the stores, and they, they got to see your receipt at the door, right? I mean, that was a little uncomfortable for me at first. You know, I'm like, what are you accusing me of? I, I didn't. But, you know, I, I, I'm with the program now. And think of sweet Irma over here. You know, don't, don't take it out on her because she's got to ask for your receipt. That's not her fault, right? She's just doing her job. Thank you. Yeah? Don't yell at her about a mask either. She didn't, you know, just leave her alone, okay? I'm trying to help, help her out here. So anyway, but sometimes at the door, you've got to pull your receipt out and prove that what you've got a hold of was paid for and it rightfully belongs to you. Now, sometimes you've got something from God. You, you, you're starting, the word of God's starting to work in your life and maybe some person or some devil will come and say, man, well, who do you think you are? That's not yours. You can't have that. But anytime the devil comes and says, man, you can't have healing, I pull out the receipt for healing right here. Yeah, it's paid for, dude. First Peter 2.24 says that by Jesus' wounds, I have been healed. Well, what are you smiling about? You can't have joy. We're in a pandemic. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It's been paid for, man. Nehemiah 8, verse 10. Well, you, man, you, how can you think that your kids are going to stick with Jesus? It's already been paid for. Proverbs 22, 6 says, if I train them up in the ways of the Lord, when they grow old, they won't depart from it. Listen to me. You're not trying, you're not, it's been paid for, and I'm going to prove it to you right now. The word of God and these verses are my receipt for something that's already been paid for. Well, how are you going to get that? I'm not trying to get it. It's already been paid for. Jesus paid it all. Amen. You're not going to talk me out of it either. And so how does the truth set you free? Number one, it shows you right from wrong. Number two, it shows you what rightfully belongs to you. Then number three, it shows you how much God loves you. Now, that may sound like such a basic, simple thing to say, so please don't let that fly over your head, because I have found that even the children of God sometimes lose sight of how much they are loved by their Father in heaven. And in fact, Paul put it this way, you'll never be able to fully comprehend the love of God. And Paul was a deep guy. Paul knew the Lord well, but he said, no, it's impossible. No human could ever fully comprehend how much God loves them. I'm going to show you something in Psalm 86, Psalm 86 and verse 15. But I'm glad that the Lord loves me enough to tell me the truth. I'm glad that Jesus loves me enough to, I mean, seriously, leave heaven and come down here to this place. He loves us more than we'll ever know. And, 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 and please don't let this fact fly over your head. Well, I've heard that a thousand times. Yes, I know it. But sometimes we need to take just a minute and let that truth sink in because that is a truth and the truth will set you free. Maybe you've been going through something right now. Maybe you've been you've been going through a storm and, and yeah, the devil may be shaking and, and all this stuff's going on. But even through it all, if you can just remember, my gosh, I am loved. I am. And, and, and I'm not looking for acceptance from everybody else because I've been accepted by Jesus. Psalm 86 and verse 15, it says, But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy. Who's grateful that he's a God of compassion and mercy? I'm glad. I've been on the receiving end of that mercy business. 
I've been on the receiving end of the compassion. Now, there's more to God than just that, but listen to me. He's a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. God is full of love. He's slow to get angry. Now, a lot of people imagine him as quick to anger and shallow in love, but that's, that's not the God we know. He is rich in love and, and slow to anger. But make no mistake, he can be pushed there. And there are people pushing him there, and that's not how he wants to be pushed, right? But the truth will set us free so we don't have to see that side of him in our life. I want you to look at one more thing here, Second Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3. In just a few minutes here, we're going to be taking communion together, but you as a born-again child of God, a member of this family, you need to be reminded of what belongs to you. We need to be reminded of right from wrong because we tend to gray that area a little bit, right? But listen, and some people a lot more than gray, it's a lot further out than that, but we need to be reminded of what belongs to us. You can have joy. You can have peace. You can be provided for. You can sleep well at night. You can have these things that Jesus paid for. But you also need to be reminded that you are loved. And even if you don't feel like anybody sees you right now, Jesus sees you. He knows where you're at. And he knows that it's a wild time. And, and we know from Scripture it's liable to get a whole lot crazier <laughs> over the next season before Jesus comes back. And that's okay, because I'm not looking to any person for my answers. That's instability. I'm looking to Jesus, my refuge, my fortress, the rock of my salvation. That's who I'm looking to. But Peter put it this way, Second Peter, and we're going to look at chapter 3. In verses 3 and 4, he says, Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the what? The truth. Scoffers will come mocking the truth and knock, knock. Say who's there. The scoffers, they're here. They're mocking the truth. They're here. Look all around you. They done showed up and they're here. And they're mocking the truth. And they're making fun of you. You really believe that? Oh, my gosh. You're crazy. We've got science now. We're enlightened. We're educated. You're crazy. You're a bigot. You're this. You're that. You believe that old-fashioned nonsense? You've, I've staked my entire life on this stuff, man. Yeah, I believe it. But he said, yes, in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything's remained the same. Since the world was first created, not one thing's changed. You're still believing that Jesus is coming back business? I ain't seen it. You ain't seen it. You believe that nonsense? You're going to hear that stuff if you'll stand up for Jesus. Scoffers will come, not necessarily to mock you, but to mock the truth that you stand for. The truth that you speak, it will tick the devil off 
big time, and he will use people to mock and scoff and ridicule you, and you can't take it personal. They're not necessarily after you. They're after the truth, and they want to silence the truth that you stand for because the devil knows that if these people would know the truth, the truth would set them free, and they'd be free indeed this time. They would be free indeed. Skip down here to verses 8 and 9. Verses 8 and 9. Peter said this, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises, some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Well, man, God sure is being slow about that coming back business. Man, I wonder if he forgot about You should thank God he's being slow about coming back because he's doing it for the sake of some people that you know and love. Now, if you're in here and you know Jesus, then you're ready to go. He could come right now and you're good. But there's some people that I know that I love, and I, as much as I want Jesus to come right now, and believe me, I want him to come right now. Valentine's Day 2021 would be great. I would love that. But for some people that I know and love, I got to say, you know what? Thank you, Lord, that you have waited another day longer because they aren't ready yet. But there's people mocking. Oh, no, 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 no. Give up on that. It ain't, it ain't happened yet. Who do you think? No. The truth will be mocked. But God will not be mocked according to Galatians 6. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you of the flesh reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, of the spirit you reap life everlasting. That's the word of God. And so why is it we're so big on the truth? Why is it we're so big on the truth setting people free when they know it? Because I want to see people know what belongs to them. I want to see people stand up for what's right against what's wrong. And I want to see people have the revelation that they are loved, that God loves them, and he doesn't regret what he did. Can I get an amen today? Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and stand up together this morning. Praise God. We're talking about not just truth, but absolute truth. Absolute truth. We're going to take communion together this morning. I'm going to ask the ushers to to come on up, and we're going to do this together. But it's a perfect time to take communion because we're talking about the love of God. And there is no greater love than what Jesus did for us on the cross. So as we do this today, you know, we've got perfectly safe, prepackaged, individually wrapped packets of communion. But I'm going to ask Josh to... Lead us in a song here for just a minute. And as he does that, we're going to come forward, grab the communion elements, go back to your seat. When you get there, stay standing. We're going to take communion together. And I also want to say furthermore that you don't have to be a member of the church to take communion here. You just have to be a member of the family, the body of Christ. You have to have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so I'm going to go ahead and give that opportunity. I want to pray with us. I want you to repeat this prayer with me right this minute. Don't even think about it. Let's just do this and make sure you're right with God. Say this with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died, that he rose again, 
but he's coming back. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. I promise to live for you now. In Jesus' name, amen. The deal is done. You're a member of the family of God. If you prayed that and you believed it, and if that's you, I want you to come get me after service or, uh, or come get uh, uh, Cletus or, or my dad or somebody else. Let us know, and we will hook you up with a spiritual personal trainer, and we will mentor you for the next month. But, Josh, go ahead. Lead us in worship. I'm going to ask you to come up and get the communion elements. Amen. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands, and this is my confidence that you never failed me. Your promise still stands, and great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. Still in your hands, and this is my confidence. You never failed me. And I know the night won't last, your word will come to pass. I will sing your praise again. And Jesus, you're still enough. I keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise again. promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence that you never failed me. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way. And I believe I'll see you do it again. I'll see you do it again. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands, and this is my confidence that you never failed me. Amen. I wanted to look at a verse together this morning before we take communion, and it's Romans 5. We'll look at verse 6. It says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners.
We were utterly helpless. I mean, there was nowhere else we could go. Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Think about that. He didn't come and die for us because we had it all together, because we were so lovely, because we weren't. We didn't have it together. We weren't lovely. We were a mess. And that's right when Jesus found us in the middle of our nasty mess. And he didn't say, well, when you get it together, come and see me. He said, let's get it together. I am here to pull you out of that. Sometimes it confuses me. People say, well, I'll I'll come to church when I finally get it together. You don't come to church because you've got it together. You come to God so you can get it together. Amen. If you're sick, you don't say, well, when I get to feeling better, I'll go down there and see the doctor. No, you go to the doctor when you're feeling messed up. And so while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us at our nastiest, worst moment. He came and died for us. The best person ever came and gave his life for the worst people ever. Me, you, all of us. And so we're going to take a minute because we're told in 1 Corinthians 11, each time we take communion, that we have to examine and judge ourselves. And so I'm going to ask you for the next minute here to examine your life. Remember, Jesus came and gave his life for yours. Are we leading a life worthy of what Jesus did? Are we even trying to lead a life worthy? And I realize I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, but I am not satisfied with just simply saying that. Well, no one's perfect, so I just, I better, you know what, I know that. But I'm not, that's a stupid thing to say that and have no intention of getting any better. I want to get better than what I am right now. And Jesus made the way for that. And so let's take a minute here to examine and judge ourselves. And if we're doing something that isn't worthy, Jesus, help me out of this in Jesus' name. Let's examine ourselves. sacrifice. We thank you that you didn't look the other way when we were down and out of it, Lord. You came right to us and pulled us up out of it. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, we know we could never repay you, but God, we got to do our best. We want to do our best to to live for you. We want to do our best to make it up to you somehow, some way. So Lord, help us in Jesus' name to obey you, to follow you, to live a life worthy of the call. Lord, to not disregard your blood that was paid for us. We thank you for that, Lord. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, Paul said it this way. 
For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. And so we take this bread right now, and we don't do this because it's a tradition. We do this to remember that Jesus' body was broken, and he paid the price for us. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 25, in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. And so, Jesus, we're going to drink this today. We're doing it to remember you. Remember that it was your blood that paid the price for our sin. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We're going to sing together for just a minute today. Please don't let this fly over your head. Please remember the blood of Jesus and where you were at and where you're going. What can wash away my sins? Amen. What can wash away my sins? thing, not one thing, but the blood of Jesus. Amen. Can you raise your hands with me today? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in your word, God. And Lord, we want truth. We want to know the truth. We want to be free. We want to be free indeed. We don't want to be held captive to sin or to any other nasty thing the devil wants to use to hold us back with. Lord, we want to be free in you, free for you, free to do, and to have everything that you've set us free to be. We thank you, Jesus, that we are receiving the truth. And Lord, if that truth is painful, let us receive it. If that truth is uncomfortable, let us receive it. If that truth is something that, that man, I don't agree with that, Lord, we know you're right. 
we're wrong. Help us to change so we can be free and free indeed because we are fully aware that one day, not long from now, we're going to hear a trumpet. We're going to look up. The clouds are going to part. And Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, will be in the clouds right there calling us home saying, it's time. I'm ready. You're coming home. Let's go. Jesus, we want to be ready, and we don't want to be chained to lies when that day comes. We want to be free to go with you. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for loving us enough to tell us the truth and to set us free. And Lord, I pray for everybody here, everybody listening online, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. If there is any chains, if there is any bondage, if there is any hindrance holding us back, tripping us up, if there's any oppression of the devil upon us right now, we say in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, it has to leave. We're submitting to you. We're choosing you now. We will be free and free indeed. Thank you, Lord, that you're using us to bring freedom to others. We love you. We receive you. We accept your way, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. As I, as I just prayed, I know I'm, I want to get you out of here. I know the, the drive through line at Del Taco could be getting long by this point, but just listen to me for a minute. I want to sing again for just a minute here, just what we just sang, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I want you to, for just another minute, man, sing to him. Let him know you love him. Let him know you're thankful and that you want to be free. You want to do things his way. Then I promise I'll let you go. But I want to close out this way right now singing to Jesus one more time because I feel the presence of God, the anointing of God, and I want to be obedient to him. Can we sing that one more time? Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus, we love you, Jesus. We thank you, and we don't take you for granted, Lord. We thank you for all that you are. And as we leave here today, Lord, I pray that we will go with this word in our heart. It shall not return unto you void, but you are going to use us this week to bring hope, help, and healing to those around us. And Lord, we know that you promised that your angels would surround and protect us everywhere we go. You said in Psalm 34 that the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Lord, we are a people that fear you. And we thank you that your angels, they surround and protect us. No drunk driver, no maniac, no terrorist, no evil person can bring harm to us or our children or our families at all this week, Father, or ever. We're surrounded by you. We thank you, Jesus, for your protection, for your joy, for your peace, for your love, for your healing on every single one of us. In the name of Jesus, can somebody say amen? Amen. God is good. Who's glad they came to church today?
Amen. I remind you that we have service tonight at 6. We had children's church going on for the kids so they can hear some stuff on their level. They had a great time last week, and the adults will be in here studying the Word of God together. And Melinda wanted me to remind you that today only she's got a, the bookstore is doing a 20% off of anything in there. And so great time to check out some of those books and Bibles and anything else and take some more Word of God with you. Amen. You can never get too much. Who's ready to speak some words of faith over Barstow? Amen. Let's say this together. Say it loud. Say it proud. Say it like you mean it. Say it so they hear it over there. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you tonight.